Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hello, hello, and welcome everyone who is joining us here at Asian Pop Nation on our first of March show. A little one month anniversary moment we have here. My name is Lisha, your EP, and the first song you heard was by Evening Cinema with the song called Chikai. And secondly, we have a massive collaboration for all the hyperpop genre fans out there with Charlie XCX featuring Rina Sawayama, but also featuring AG Cook and Vernon of Seventeen coming in with the remix of the song called Beg For You. We have quite a special show tonight with our first interview of the year with the young indie author Kanako Okiron telling us about her debut novel, Not Like in the Movies. We also have heaps of discussions tonight with the APN team of Xenia, Tracy, JP, and Aaron, ranging from the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics to bringing back our good old friend Anime Attack to talk about a particular anime award show. So... Before we hop right into all of these topics, we gotta of course get back to all the new music we have tonight, starting with JYP Entertainment's newest girl group, N-Mix, with their debut track, OO. Stay tuned right here on Asian Pop Nation. You are tuning into Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. You just heard N-Mix's OO. We also had Loser Pop, a Thai indie band with their song that I've just been loving lately called Scent. And lastly, you heard B2B's Nore or the English title, The Song. This particular song and their new album called Be Together marks as their first comeback as a full group since their whole Korean military season. So what a cute reunion that is. Now, on the topic of reunions, however, we're going to be talking about the upcoming Teen Wolf movie, which is set to be a reunion of all the previous cast members from the TV series. But that doesn't seem to be going exactly to plan, especially with one of the actresses, Arden Cho. So let's find out what's going on with Teen Wolf. I want to tell everyone a little bit of a story. It's a sad, sad story. Last year, I have a sister who forced me to watch Majority of Teen Wolf. And the only reason she wants me to watch it because Dylan O'Brien was in it. Again, he voiced Bumblebee in Transformers. That's the only reason why I consider watching it. Well, guess what? Teen Wolf has now coming back for a revival that's coming soon called Teen Wolf the Movie, which has been announced last year, September. But now, when the casting list has been announced back in February this year, people have some questions about the actors who may not be returning into the roles. It's in it. Thank Kisune, you. yeah. And, it, and it's Arden Cho, yeah. Yeah, Arden Cho, who first appeared in the recurring, as a recurring role back in Season 3 in the original series and became a main role between Season 4 and Season 5. And also, it also reported back in Deadline that February 15th, again this year, that Andre was only offered half of the per, half of the salary per episode, which compared to a counterpartist, which of course ultimately later passed on to join, which later to pass on joining the movie. The counterparts in this question is referring to other female series regulars for the cast members as well. Andrea has been the only actress in the co- of color among that female group who is, in the context of the show, plays as a group of teenage friends. What is, what is it even about? I just know it's high school kids, Dylan O'Brien and um, Wolves. Well, if you want to know what Team Wolf is all about, Team Wolf is basically focusing on Scott McCall, an awkward teen who has ability to turn to a werewolf after being bitten by one by one of them one day. Before before his sophomore years, he must learn to he's basically must learn to adapt his new ability while also also struggling with his teenage life as well. Let's just say it's basically high school grassy but with teenage wolf abilities with every single CW TV show. Uh, you know, it almost sounds like they did her a favor. 
Don't mom. be involved with the show. Good call. <laughs> I mean, again, Dylan Ryan, which um, Aaron mentioned, yeah, is like the only reason he watched um, the movie and stuff because he is actually like the isn't he like the main character or something for the series? Yeah, even he also said he's like he's not gonna join the movie as well. And so I feel like it's a lot of I guess quote unquote fan favorites that are not going to be in this movie. Um, Arden in particular, it particularly really sucks that like her main reason came to be from this whole situation. But um, yeah, it's just it's just um, just curious, Aaron. Um, Arden Show's character, uh, the Thunder Kitsune Kira, uh, what's her actual role in the story? Like, is she actually like important? Uh, she's basically a swordsman. She's basically a swordswoman. That's it. With skills and electrical powers. Okay. And she's important between season four and five, but that's pretty much it, really. In season three, she's just a recurring role. That's all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I see. Like, I was just curious to see, like, again, what fans would react like online and stuff like that. And then people actually point out she even did like a YouTube video about it. How like, um, that yeah, pass. Um, season five and stuff like that they pretty much just wrote off like her character which probably again explains why Aaron only <laughs> remembers like her relevance in four and five and then nothing beyond that because oh. that seems to be a lot of fans remembrance of Teen Wolf as well that the creator pretty much writ off like her character to the point that Arden even did like a video just explaining why she just like just didn't wasn't in the teen wolf thing this was way back when the series was still like prevalent i think in terms of like asian characters she's pretty much like the only asian character in the main cause and i guess from what i read she's in general just the only person of color in the main like reoccurring main like female cause as well so it sucks that um she's just been getting like that treatment from when the show was airing kind of till now I just think it doesn't sound like a good TV show, and I think Arden made the right choice. Yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think this show ruined my 21st birthday? <laughs> Actually, we can make this about how this show ruins Aaron's 21st birthday. Can you tell us that story? Again. Wasn't into Team Wolf. This is before she asked me to do it. Again, I just got back from work. I was supposed to have the simple, relaxed station watching TV. If not, I get a video from John Barrymore, so I was happy with that, so that's good enough. But before that, she was watching Teen Wolf. I thought maybe I can ask her if I can watch my shows because, again, it's my birthday. I can do whatever I want. Besides work, I have to go to there, but it doesn't matter. And you know what she did? She said no. So instead, she hugged the freaking TV the whole night, and I didn't do anything. Then I get it's a your villain doing... origin story. <laughs> that's why Aaron is angry all the time, because he was forced to sit through Teen Wolf on his 21st birthday. Wow. Yeah, I didn't watch all of it. I only watched three episodes, and then John Barrymore came up, so I was happy with that part. Yeah, I think that was more than enough for you, man. Yeah. yeah. So after that, I just basically stayed in the front room for the rest of the night with the friends. We were just watching stuff on stuff. That's it. Unless we watched the original Ghost in the Shell and the sequel, so we're good enough with that. Like I see this, Teen Wolf, you ruined everything for me, but you know what? I don't care about that anymore. It's all in the past. But anyhow, Goodbye. That's all I can say. Anyhow, if you like to more, you like talk about any more of that terrible show by the sidelines, remember just talk. To, contact us all on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on Asia Pop Nation. Hello, 
everyone. You are listening to Asian Bomb Nation right here on Sin. My name is Leisha and you just heard Australian Filipino artist Grant Perez with his song titled Absence of You. We also played Thai girl group Celeste with the song Skip a Beat. And lastly, we played Malaysian band Insomniacs with the song title Sabruna, which means perfect. Perfect can also be used to describe this very interview we have tonight, our first for this year, with this lovely indie author that goes by the name of Kanako O'Karon. She is here joining us in APN to talk about her big debut novel titled Not Like in the Movies. So put your hands together as we join Xenia in learning more about the novel and as well as the one and only author herself, Kanako O'Karon. Welcome to Asian Pop Nation, Kanako. Thanks for coming on board to speak to us a little bit about your book. Could you tell us maybe a little bit about, you know, yourself and what Not Like the Movies is about? Well, um, I'm a 15-year-old indie author from Hobart and I'm biracial, so I'm half Japanese, half Australian. And my primary genre in my writing is YA, but I also like to draw in my spare time. So Not Like in the Movies is my debut novel about a teen celebrity called Zelda Moulet. Her parents are both actors in Hollywood and it's just about her kind of recounting her life in like a documentary style format. So it's as if she is talking directly to the reader who is like the interviewer. So that was kind of on purpose. And so people get a better understanding of it's like Hollywood she has to get interviewed all the time so that's kind of the premise of the book and she talks about how how difficult her life is and how life is not like in the movies which is obviously the title of the book just about fame and stuff is the most part what it's about awesome yeah it's definitely exciting and I'm sure it's something that a lot of people listening would love to read about and want that insight into. So what's inspired your book? What was it about fame that drew you to writing about it? Well, it was inspired by my younger self and the thoughts that I had around the idea of fame because I always found it interesting when I would just see obviously celebrities or like interviews about them where they talk about like how difficult fame is. But when I was little, I didn't think much about that. I always thought about the positive side of it and how fun it must be, be like the best thing ever to just be known and stuff. Because I like always had like dreams about being on talk shows. Like that was like something I always wanted to do. And I think that's because when I was little, I had like, things happened when I was younger that really affected me. So to, in order to distract myself from like those things, I thought something big needs to happen. And in this case, for me, it was fame. I thought that was the answer. But obviously I matured and I was like, <laughs> it's obviously not that easy and fame is really difficult and especially for people who don't want to be in the spotlight. So I made sure that was uh, also a big theme in my book for people who obviously don't want to be in the spotlight but something happens like an event and then they become known suddenly so that was also a core theme of my book. I started writing it when I was 12 because that's when I first had the idea and then it wasn't until COVID happened that I decided to continue the book. So it became kind of like a lockdown project in a way? Yeah. Before like COVID, I used to just write stories and then stop them in the middle. Like I don't want to continue this anymore. Like I just give up and not continue it ever again. 
But with this book, I decided after finding it under my bed because I wrote it by hand on like paper, scraps of paper, and I sticky taped them together to be like a chapter book. So I put them just anywhere, I suppose, and then I found it lying under my bed. I was like, okay, I'll pick this up and have a look and see what this is about. And then I read the first few pages and I, and I was like, oh, this story actually has some potential. So I decided to continue it and, yeah, that's how it came to be. Yeah, and you mentioned a little bit about that unique style of writing the book. It's more like an interview format. What was it about it that you thought this is the way to tell the story and not in the traditional way that was kind of a last minute decision for me because the original book was not set out like that like my first ever draft of the book it wasn't until like I was like, thought more about what the story should be about then I thought oh maybe like would be even cool like if it was like a documentary style because that might get the reader really hooked and like immediately because not many books I don't think have like a interview format of the book so I guess I wanted to try something different for my first ever novel that I was going to publish and that's sort of why the chapters are takes as well to get like take one take two take three to get the reader an idea of what happens I guess when people filming because throughout like each chapter she'll say occasional things like can you hear me or like is this working so like people get that vibe of what it's about. And what were some of the challenges and joys of writing your debut novel? What were some of the things that you enjoyed in the process and some of the things that were really hard to go through? Challenges were definitely the editing because I'm quite an impatient person. I like things to go like, this needs to happen like overnight. I need to get this done like as much as I can. But editing was always tricky for me. And kind of annoying, I guess, because I had to go back and fix a lot of things because I'm not an experienced author. So I'm still 15. So I made a lot of mistakes in my writing. So when my parents read through it, they're like, you need to get rid of this. This is all filler. You don't need that bit. And um, I also sent it to a manuscript assessor and she also gave me a lot of feedback and said, there's a lot of plot holes. The characters are like all over the shop. You need to clean it up a bit so I did that so that was definitely a challenge um the highlights were in the end when I finally finished it and everything was done and was ready to send to publishing was when I was like wow I've got this far because I never really finished a book like that before obviously publishing like I'd always want to be published when I was little but for this to actually happen I never thought it would really happen so I was like really amazed and I guess proud of myself because it was certainly like a incredible experience having to put my book together and like designing the front cover was really fun because I'm self-published. Obviously everything is independent, so I did everything myself, most of the stuff myself. So, yeah, the front cover was made probably the most fun. You mentioned that you were half Japanese. So I was wondering if you felt since our show is all about Asian representation and culture and music. Do you feel like your heritage has influenced not like the movies at all or even just like your interest in writing? Yeah, definitely influenced my writing because I guess from a young age I've always been told if I wanted to be an actor or a singer or I needed a backup job. <laughs> like my mum would always tell me I need a backup job, which I think is quite common among 
like immigrant families and if they want to pursue other careers that aren't like medical or law degrees I guess but I'm not at that stage yet because that kind of got me inspired to write about like celebrities and like kids in that situation because I would be able to imagine how I would feel in that situation if that was me the main character is sort of like me she's like biracial as well but she's not Asian she's like half European I made sure to write that down as a key part of the book and what are some of the ways you'd like readers to be impacted by your book or what key takeaways do you hope they get after reading it um, I guess what the title suggests like not like in the movies because I think especially for little kids like when I was younger like we think that fame and stuff we see on tv and we just think it's so cool and stuff and it will like change our life for the better but then when I hear all these interviews and they're always saying how difficult and stressful it is and I can understand that because it's already stressful for me to do interviews so I can't imagine like having to do that every day or be in the spotlight every day and have like cameras everywhere so yeah I hope people can take away that they're just fine being who they are and their life currently is fine they don't need to change anything and if they just do what they love then that's the main thing they don't need to look for other things to make them feel better that are that turn into negative stuff like fame yeah absolutely and I also heard or read somewhere in another interview you've done that you're planning to write another book any idea of what it might be about or have you started writing it yet yeah I'm working on something that has no connection to not liking the movies whatsoever but it has got some philosophical elements in it so that's one key thing in the book yeah sounds exciting looking forward to reading it once it does come out and for anyone who's interested in finding and reading not like the movies and also following you where can they find you are you on social media yeah I'm on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at on all of my social media beautiful and also as we're a music show do you feel like there's a song that kind of encapsulates your book or the tone of your story since last year i discovered the linda lindas have you heard of linda lindas i have not oh they're asian american girl rock band they're like teenagers but they're really good and their latest song is growing up I really love that song because I guess it's about growing up and they're like my age so I can re- relate to them and I feel like that's like Zelda Moulet, the main character in the book, she's like struggling to come to terms with growing up and at the same time she's in the spotlight. So I would say that's a good song choice. Awesome. And I guess we'll play that now. Thanks so much, Kanako, for talking to us and sharing Thank your you. book. Um, you can find Not Like the Movies online if you're interested in reading it. But thanks again. Thank you for having me. This was great. Welcome, our dear listeners, to Asian Palm Nation. My name is Leisha, and you just heard the Linda Lindas with their song titled Growing Up, requested by Kanako Okiron, who we've had the pleasure to interview earlier in the show. We also played Too Dead Inside by non-binary artist and finally, we had Soren with her first song release as a full solo artist and in a new company titled Sharp Objects. So a super exciting new venture for her, I'm sure. 
A new venture we'll also be talking about, however, revolves around Netflix releasing a new Korean romantic comedy movie, which tackles a slightly taboo subject in Asian media. Join the APN team as we talk about the latest movie called Love and Leashes. Just a heads up, though, this next topic does contain chats about sensitive stuff revolving around sexual content, so listener discretion is advised. We're having like a Korean entertainment industry moment with Netflix, and here is another film that really caught our attention for the very interesting title and just the entire premise of it. It's called Love and Leashes. It is a South Korean romantic comedy film directed by Park Hyun Jin. It came out on February 11 this year. It's actually based on a webtoon called Moral Sense by Kyol. The film is quite an unconventional romance story between Jun Ji-woo, which is played by So Hyun, member of Girls' Generation, and Jun Ji-hoo, which is played by Jun Young, who used to be like a Yukis member. So pretty much it's about these two leads who are co-workers. The female lead, she actually has like a little bit of a crush on the guy because he's like a new transfer. She's quite like a stoic character, so she doesn't make any like first moves with him. And then one day she accidentally picks up a package delivered to their office, actually meant for the guy. And when she accidentally opens the package, she finds a dog leash. Eventually, she finds out that he is into BDSM, mainly that he is into the submissive role, but she's very open and chill about it. And that actually surprises him to the point that he literally Oscar just out of it, like, can you be my master? And then this pretty much starts a whole thing where they get into a three month contract where, yeah, she does be his master. I guess I'll pass it over to Tracy. What do you think about this whole movie? So basically, this film is two hours long. It doesn't need to be two hours long, is my first main thought. Um, Another interesting thing is that I don't know what its actual rating is, but it's meant to be quite tame. So there's no actual nude scenes or the BDSM is done with clothes on. And I feel like the, the main objective of this film is to educate people about BDSM. Um, and about things like consent, it feels uh, quite preachy at times, but that's kind of, I guess, the writer's intention. The writing is kind of atrocious, um, but the actors are trying their best. And I think the director is also trying their best. There are some scenes where you're like, well, that's some nice editing, you know? There's this one scene where she's, like, preparing, like, bondage ropes and he's, like, cooking something for her and they cut them together in, like, a, oh, yeah, this is, like, equivalent sort of way. And you're like, okay, interesting directorial choice. I respect it. I feel like most people had really positive reactions to it because they were like, everyone just wants So Hyun from Girls' Generation to step on us. So this is like sort of living out that fantasy. Oh, wow. You're not watching it for the plot. You're watching it for the um the scene where she steps on him with a stiletto. And so, I mean, is that a crime? <laughs> it's not a crime at all. Um, I don't know. It, it's an interesting film. It It's trying to do something that hasn't been done before. Yeah, they're definitely trying to bring up BDSM in more in a positive light because there is a lot of conversations they have because the male lead the actual story of him having like issues pursuing a romantic relationship after his past relationship because of the way she treated his kink and stuff 
conversations like that i wasn't expecting it from this movie so it was pretty neat to see there's like two things i want to mention so first half mm-hmm. of the movie why was there so much like feet shots <laughs> unnecessary feet and it's all so young and i'm like what is happening why is what that was that me? about I didn't- the second half really came out of nowhere like the end especially the ending part because she was the ending. The email. The email. Yeah, the email. Stuff. I was like, <laughs> where did this come from? Very much to explain it. Some point in a movie, like every rom-com relationship, the two characters have like a fallout. You look at the runtime and you're like, oh, there's like 15 minutes left. How are they going to like reunite stuff like that? <laughs> the next scene comes. They get exposed. Somebody emails the entire firm an audio of them in their office doing their head play. The cuts to a scene where the two leads are now having to talk to the lawyers. hearing yeah and then they're in a hearing and i'm like what is this the reuniting moment and it turns out yes it is the yes. reuniting <laughs> moment because in the middle of the guys being like um yeah so could you give us evidence this was just a one-time thing you're not gonna do it again blah 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 and then the guy just goes off he does his love proclaiming moment he's like i love it blah, blah, blah. and i'm like not in a hearing where they're gonna fire you because you guys were doing head play in the office i was not expecting the love proclaiming moment to be in that scene where they're about to get like fired (laughs) it felt so wrong because they were also trying to make that scene like a sort of all the lawyer guys are all really condescending towards the female lead so they were trying to make it like oh you know life sucks for women in the workplace and then you get this big proclamation out of nowhere it totally it just it's very odd yeah yeah that's how i felt with like a lot of scenes in the movie where it's just like i get what the director is doing but the execution is kind of hmm <laughs> i don't know i felt like all these like the love for Clayman scene just the i love you no i don't love you miscommunication these scenes were just in the most weirdest like setting ever <laughs> that just took me out the writing is just really clumsy for this you know they they had certain emotional beats that they wanted to get to they wanted a big scene where they like railed against the whole world for not understanding um mm-hmm. kinks and not being respectful of them mm-hmm. and they're like how do we how do we do the most perfunctory setup to get to these emotional scenes and i think that's how a lot of this movie was written it wasn't but then again that's not the point you don't watch a movie like this for the plot i'm getting way ahead of myself here you don't watch it for the plot you watch it for like the hot sexy scenes where they do kinky stuff with each other i think one of those scenes i was just like Uh, it was pretty much when they were trying to do their like pet play thing for the first time and the guy um get that guy an oscar for barking because i was like i that clip was like the main reason i was like okay i need to watch this movie because this guy i know him from new kids and now a few years later i see him aggressively um barking and then there was like this one scene where he was like crying at the side of a car and he was whimpering like an actual dog and i was like wow Again, get this guy an Oscar. <laughs> I can yes. you imagine getting that being nominated for best dog. <laughs> that's on. And the that's your record forever. Goes to. <laughs> you gotta give credit where credit is due. The actors Dude, are really were... trying okay. their best. They acted the hell out of this movie. I'll say that. Yeah, I hope they got really great Netflix money from this. Final closing moments about this movie. <laughs> I guess this movie does some things right. I sort of admire the fact that it's supposed to be a big educational movie, Mm -hmm. mostly about like consent and sex. I think that, you know, it can be hard to make a movie essentially about sex without showing any sex. 
it's two hours. You can watch it if you want, but don't feel like you have to. Yeah, maybe check Love and Leashes out if you want a rom com with like maybe an extra bit of spice. And then if you already have watched it, let's know on Asian Pop Nation through our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You liked it, you didn't like it. We accept any opinions here. What a collection of songs we just had there on Asian Pop Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Lisha, and you were listening to Ana Te Kuchi with her song called Tenohira Kazeneriba. We also had Jimmy Brown with his RB track called Heaven. And finally, we had the already fantastic Korean girl group Stacy with their song called Run to You. Now, this song would be perfect to have like a little segue to talk about some sports, especially running. However, that's not really happening when the Winter Olympics roll around, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight as the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics has officially ended during the final weeks of last month. So let's hear from people like the APN team and myself who all run an Asian music radio show talk about some sports instead. So let the games begin. Whoa, Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. Boo, wow, wow, wow. Snow and skiing and <laughs> snowboarding. That's what they do, right? That is, that was the best summary we could ever done for yeah. the Winter Olympics. They, 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 they should yes hire you. <laughs> yes and no. Well, either way, the Winter Olympics has officially ended after almost a month of events going from the 4th of February to the 20th of February. So at the time of recording, it's like the 23rd of February. It's been three days since it's over. I, I miss it already. Um, but anyway, for the people who are curious about all the countries' rankings,、um, we have some rankings here. The top three countries that came on top were、uh, Norway. They came out with 16 gold medals, 8 silvers, and 13 bronzes, 37 in total. And second, we had Germany, 12 gold medals, 10 silver, and 5 bronze, 27 medals in total. And then finally, third, China themselves with 9 gold medals, 4 silvers, 2 bronzes, 15 medals. Well done, Norway, Germany, and China.、Um, Yeah, those are the top three. But um, uh, any countries, anyone here wants to talk about like any surprises? Why didn't the Philippines get a medal, huh? What? <laughs> yeah, where's all the Southeast Asians, huh? Dude, there's、uh, like、yeah, no snow. We totally we... get snow. No. Why are we 18th? Australia, 18, baby. Australia is 18. <laughs> Australia is notorious for we're good in like the summer ones, but winter、oh. we. Why are terrible? We've、yeah, we have、it. no snow whatsoever. We do have one goal, which... but we have a lot of swimming pools, and that's where all of our medals come from.、Right. That means Jack.、Oh. We got beaten out by New Zealand. New Zealand finished one spot ahead of us. I mean, their、yeah, mountains、that's... are beautiful. I can't blame them. <laughs> they have snow. That is a good point. That's probably why. And a lot of sheep. Yeah, winter is kind of, <laughs> as Zenia mentioned, winter is kind of. Um, a tough one for all the Southeast Asian countries. Yeah, we don't, of course. We, we don't even touch like, to even be qualified with just with artificial ice rings at like, that's it. It's like, Not like we can afford them either. Yeah, like <laughs> Malaysia ice rings at shopping centers.、Um, yeah, Malaysia is like one. Yeah, yeah, that's all. One in like the shopping mall and then one that's like nearby IKEA and that's kind of it. And I'm like, I, those will be awful places to do constant like Olympic training at because those are just at shopping malls. 
like everyone and their kid and their parents are all just there. So, yeah. Most of China's medals, is it figure skating or is it? Um, oh, I did know that China, they did win a gold for um, like, a, I don't know what the technical term of it is, but it's like the pair, pair skating, I think. Yeah, in terms of uh, skating. So they did win one for skating, but I think most of their awards are not in the skating range. If I am not mistaken, most of them are more on freestyle skiing. Ooh, yeah, interesting. very yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that's the ones where they seem to get most of their goals from. It's like four. I'm looking at it right now, but yeah. Were there um any are, were there any Asian athletes that you guys were watching over for these Winter Olympics? Because I know you guys are super into the figure skating. I don't want to be that person to put my hand up, but. Yes, I'm the one who's the figure skating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like figure skating. Um, not nerd. I'm just a casual. I would say just way more of a casual fan. I've only just recently um gotten quite um into it and stuff like that. But yeah, I guess um figure skating was an interesting one this year. Um, in terms of the male one, um, I don't know if it was the first time, but a lot of people were pointing out how it was the first time in quite a while where the podium for first, second, and third for the male figure skating was all, like, Asian athletes. So oh, really? that's very cool. Yeah, Nathan cool. Nathan Chen came out first. He's um, he's American. He's representing, like, U.S., but he's Asian-American. He was He's a big, like, talk-in-the-town type of thing because I think he's the first Asian-American just in general to win gold in men's figure skating. Um, and then second and third um, were from Japan. One of them is named Shoma and the other one, the name is not clicking in my head, unfortunately, but yeah, that was a pretty interesting, um, run. Yuzuru, <laughs> Yuzuru, um, had, had, had a bit of a rough one. For people who don't know Yuzuru Hanyu, he's like Japanese skater. He's, um, he's won like the Olympic gold for men's figure skating, um, for like the past two times, but not for this year, but I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's cool to see, though, like, new talent and stuff making it. It just hurts when you see someone you've seen their, like, Olympic legacy for quite a while. And then this is, like, the one time where it was just, like, damn, um, pain, suffering stuff. And then, as I mentioned, like, the pair skating. Pair skating, one was really good. China, they won first place. Um, that was quite well deserved. I do like that pair couple, and that was good. Just saying, the winter one, in terms of just figure skating, has been... A very interesting one but in terms of i also heard about the was it was she a chinese american but was representing china and she started oh. crying at the end of her um oh her performance um, uh, crying for? is it figure skating as well is it just like i in a think category? so i think uh, uh, there was a lot of backlash because especially people who were Wondering why she was representing China, kind of uh, pulling her. That, that's like a whole yeah. disgrace. Yeah, Raider, you know, yeah, that this sort is, of thing. Yeah, this is why this year's whole Beijing Olympics has been really interesting because a lot of that type of conversation has been really brought up um, this time because um, especially um, with that girl, what's her name? Ellen Gu or something? She's Asian American, but I think she's representing China as well. And I think people had the same comments as well with her. I think she does snowboarding, if I am not mistaken. But um, yeah, and then people were also making a lot of comments about that, about like, yeah. And that's like an, 
I don't know. I feel like y'all should not be coming too hard at like Asian diasporas. We already struggle too much between like identity of like my Asianness, but I live in a Western country. Oh, trying to accept like those two sides. Just don't come at them too hard if they want to represent. <laughs> Man, it sounds they- rough. But yeah, like what Zenia said, that that has been for a lot of the Asian American athletes in particular for this year. That has kind of actually been a very big convo. That has been popping up a lot. But again, like I said, I think people should just leave them alone. <laughs> if they choose to represent them, then it's fine. Uh, they, they're probably just representing that country because, I don't know, uh, it's just, it's up to them, their own reason. They, whatever, just leave them alone. Leave or maybe they got bribed into it who knows but anyway viewer <laughs> if you got any asian scandals for us let us know on twitter facebook and Instagram. olympic sports Ooh, <laughs> <Baking>. yeah <laughs> hello to all our nightly listeners here on asian pop nation my name is leisha and you just heard two songs requested from our listener matthew first being tata che by 100 Yokai and the second song you heard was by Japanese girl group SKE48 with their song title Nagisa no Imeji. The third song played was a collaboration by Thai artist Millie featuring Mince with the song title 17 Minutes. In the spirit of collaborations and I guess artists coming together in one place, we will be diving into some news from the Korean TV show Queendom 2, where a selection of female Korean acts come together to pretty much battle it out with the power of music and performances and fans. So come join us as we talk through the confirmed lineup for Queendom 2. Now, there's nothing that K-pop loves more than a reality competition show. These shows are known for, among other things, being shamelessly misleading, being stressful, and for creating incredibly dedicated and incredibly toxic fan bases. The most infamous producer of K-pop reality shows is Mnet. In 2016, they started Produce 101, which became the nation's representative K-pop reality show with the advent of its second season, which created the record-breaking, incredibly popular in Asia group 101. The show lasted four seasons before coming to a screeching halt amid a voting fraud scandal in 2019, which revealed that trainees had been rigged out of various rankings over the course of the previous three seasons. The public was understandably quite incensed. As the dust settled, some bright spark at Mnet came up with the premise of a new show to tide them over into the backlash subsided. Instead of K-pop trainees competing to debut, like the Produce series, let's have already debuted idols compete against each other once again to see who's the best. The resulting show, Queendom, starred Park Bomb, AOA, Mamamoo, Lovelies, Oh My Girl, and G-Idol. And it did decently well. It did well enough to be followed by Road to Kingdom in 2020 and Kingdom Legendary War in 2021. And now they've announced a second season of Queendom. This new lineup consists of Hyolin, Brave Girls, Vivis, Ujo Sonyon, Luna, and Kepler. This is where I swoop in because I'm the only other person who listens to K pop. <laughs> the new Queendom lineup. Wow. Did you watch all the, the male like Kingdom versions? Did you have you seen all of them? I watched like half of Queendom and then I watched Road to Kingdom for Pentagon. And then I did not watch Kingdom because Road to Kingdom was a trash show. <laughs> I didn't watch like any of these variants and stuff because the groups that were in them um, were just ones that I just didn't really 
tend to as much. I did watch some of the Pentagon's performances, particularly the one where Jin Ho, it was like his last no. performance before he was going to army and stuff. And um, that's a tearjerker if people want to watch and cry. That's a really good performance. But yeah, it's very like... Pain. It's very sad. Pain, it's pain and suffering, yes. But this new Queendom lineup, I would say almost all of them I am like fans of. So I'm actually keen about it, except I want to make one point. <laughs> There's yes. only one qualm I have. Kepler. I love Kepler. I watched Girls Planet 999, which is the show that these girls were like formed in. However... The ink has barely even dried on their contract that they're an idol group now. And they've already been put straight into another competition show. Please let them run. Like, the only reason I believe they're in this is because, like, this is done by Mnet, like, both shows. Girls Planet 999 was more popular, like, internationally, but it didn't have much of, like, a Korean following because everything that happened with the produced shows, yeah. For people who don't know about what Girls Planet is, it is basically just the produce series with a different colour scheme. It is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's the produce form. Miller yeah, re- they waited until people were not as angry and then they just rebooted it under a new name. Rebooted it and then added like fancy words about constellations and stuff like that. The fans who vote are guardians or something like that. Yeah, the tiniest rebranding of the exact same concept. But yeah, I, I kind of don't want Kepler to be next. They literally only have they only have one song um, and they're only just starting out. In the original Queendom, like the first one, did they have any group there that was like they were freshly debuted? Like they were new? the youngest group was G Idol, and by that time they had been debuted for about a year, and mm. they had already released, I think, a couple or three minis, mm-hmm. and they obviously had Soyeon as their sort of idol producer in their own group, so they were kind of unique in that aspect. Um, Kepler is actually more like a group that was on Road to Kingdom. They called Ten Oriented Orchestra, but now they called TO One, and they were also just like fresh off a random mm. Mnet show that no one in Korea had watched. And they didn't do amazingly on the show, mostly because everyone resented them for taking the spot that could have gone to another group and because they didn't really have a fandom at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like some of the other fandoms are probably going to be quite tough on Kepler, which is not going to be fun for them. Which is again like the main reason I'm like, I don't think they should be in the show, I think. And also for people who don't understand how like project groups that get formed by competition shows work, once they become like a group at the end of the show, they don't actually last forever. They have like a short contract. Kepler's won like two years or something like that. Yeah, it's like 2.5 years or something. Yeah, they got limited time to promo and you're voting my girls like the beginning of their promo is just being in another competition show. Yeah, these shows are just needlessly, needlessly stressful for no reason at all. Especially since um the prize of winning Queendom is basically a comeback show on Mnet, which Kepler already had. They Kepler already, had a comeback show already, on Mnet for their debut. They're a group that's made by Mnet, like Mnet made the, oh god, they don't, yeah. leave my but girls like, alone. <laughs> that's not the real prize of the show. The real prize is like the bragging rights and the pride you get from winning a show like this. And, and then I guess... In Mnet's case, with kind of what they want to do, Kepler is more like promo just to get them out there. But God, again, like you said, I also feel really bad for them because they're up against 
veteran pretty much the proper veteran i mm-hmm. would say would be hyolin who debuted in 2010 with sister and debuted as a soloist in 2013 and she is insane charisma and she's going to be a force to be reckoned with but she's also a soloist so that sort of puts her at a disadvantage the other groups are kind of all debuted around like 2015 2016 brave girls technically debuted 2011 but the current lineup all joined in 2016 on the other hand um in queendom mamamoo were like the veteran group and mamamoo only formed in what was it 2014 2015 mm-hmm. so this is sort of around the same I guess a big concern for Kepler would be the fact that they don't have much of a discography because a big part of Queendom is that you cover like each other's songs, songs multiple it, yeah. rounds where you do that. And Kepler, we got what the <laughs> and we they have got, a single EP. We, we have like what four to five songs up against these groups that have like pretty much like very a whole good discography. They have an entire roster to like choose from. Yeah, I hope Luna covers Unnatural by Wuju Sonyeon. <gasps> but we'll just wait and see, I guess. This is, it's anyone's game. It really depends on how much the company is willing to invest in this show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very like competition based. But yeah, it'd be nice to see group to group interactions and stuff like that. I mean, I hope we get some wholesome moments. I think that's the main draw of this type of show. Yeah. I think like halfway through, they usually give up on the sort of evil editing and they're just like, everyone's friends anyway, so let's like stop trying to hide it. There are some wholesome moments on the show, but probably not enough to make me watch it. The best way to watch this show is to not watch it <laughs> live. <laughs> just watch the performances online mm-hmm. afterwards. But where's the fun in just seeing like your Twitter timeline go crazy? So, if you have thoughts about this Queendom lineup, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Asian Pop Nation. We're the show that we talk about K pop sometimes. <laughs> hello, hello. You are tuning to Asian Pop Nation, the essential stop here at Sin for everything Asian pop culture related and more. My name is Leisha, and you just heard tracks coming from Bad Max featuring Basic. HS, Siggy Fib, and Deep Flow with the song titled Promo. We also played US artist Sasami's song called Call Me Home. And lastly, we played Malaysian girl group Dollar's new track called Bad. Now, these fried rice combinations we're going to be talking about next may have some of you ready to point out how bad they sound, but this Singaporean TikToker wants to prove you wrong with his video recipes. So let's process these interesting combinations together with the APN team right now. All right, so it seems like the internet's favorite thing the past couple of years is to get mad at how people make fried rice and very simple Asian dishes. Uh, We've got Uncle Roger, and now we have this guy, a Singaporean TikToker, who calls himself the flavored fried rice wok master, quite the title. Uh, And he basically makes videos where he cooks things and Lately, he'd shown his fried rice recipe, which has, you know, what you would expect, onions, garlic, rice, and eggs. So pretty decent stuff. But he has a very special ingredient, which I'm sure not many of you are expecting, and that is coffee powder. Yes, you heard that right, coffee powder. Um, But there's also another fried rice recipe that this TikToker has, which involves Milo. So if you're not much of a person who likes your fried rice bitter, you can now have it chocolate flavored with Milo. Isn't that great, guys? The kind of combination we wanted. Um, He's also made um, Milo uh, Maggi Goreng. So where does the line end? I don't know. 
And also another, this kind of falls you know, similarly in the same category as the Singaporean chicken curry that went viral earlier this year that I think we talked about. Um, and also there's a recent food trend where there's ramen ice cream. You put like a soft serve cone in your ramen. Uh, I guess you like some of that cold, hot sort of flavor, texture, sensation. I don't know what you call it, atrocity. Um, but everyone, I would love to know whether you would try this, these dishes and whether there's a combination between maybe two foods you like that you think would be really good um, to try if you haven't already. It's, you know, this this is what happens when societies get affluent. Like things kind of just start degenerating. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, like you know. all of these recipes have to have started somewhere, right? With some experimentation. Who knows? Maybe I don't want to know where they started from. from. I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm sure war crimes were committed in those places. <laughs> <laughs> the Robin one intrigues me for some reason. Oh, okay, wait. It kind of intrigues me because I thought the appeal of it is more of like maybe if the ramen is spicy in particular you have like a vanilla ice cream so that i don't know mellows out the spice or something like that but in the photos i look at it they add it with the cone the waffle cone yeah they do and and what does the waffle cone add to the ramen it makes it look like an accident which it is (laughs) (laughs) that's the blasphemy of it i'm like it's just the the waffle cone like the best part about it it's like it's crunchy and texturally different but if you put it on the ramen it's just soggy yeah, i know the sogginess comes this in. is an atrocity yeah. for waffle cone ice cream fans like myself but i love yeah. the, the the actual ice cream being in the ramen is not triggering me it's the damn like cone but actually no you know what that ramen one i'm slightly open to because you know when it comes to like the ramen and the soup and the broth and stuff i think you can experiment with putting cream in it like just cream in general and make mm-hmm. it like that it makes the texture really smooth and you know it might enhance the flavor you know so i'd be willing to maybe play around with that um but i still have a million questions with that milo one <laughs> milo, milo fried rice and the coffee powder yeah. one um i mean there's this thing on this is social media called xiaogongshu where they it's basically like Pinterest slash Reddit for like ch- like Chinese users, right? Oh. And there's this whole sort of subsection which is basically all about ingredient substitution, and it's basically oh. fo- it's mostly aimed at basically international students who aren't in China who want to make Chinese food, mm. and so they need to substitute things. So like a common thing is like you get used pizza dough to make like various Chinese. Um, Oh, pastries, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, like, this is a really like screwed up version of ingredients. Oh, 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 I thought it was. I thought you were going in the route where you're like, oh, I can kind of <laughs> see where you're going, and you're like, this is just a bad version of what I. Yeah. <laughs> ingredient substitution is all about sort of making things like substituting like actual ingredients with in- ingredients which are sort of similar, which I like. Um, Milo, I-, I don't think I've ever had fried rice and being like, I just really want to put. Milo in this or anything yeah, resembling Milo. I'm trying to understand. I don't get it. What's like the flavor profile? It's just it, yeah, it's like yeah. Milo's like a like sweet. It uses it's like coffee malt. That's what they yeah. Call it, I, mean, I could I could see like adding a little bit of sweetness to fried rice. That could work. It could. You could just 
it could because this, okay because this guy's singaporean i'm guessing the way he's making fried rice is more of like a nasi goreng style and if you mm-hmm. want something sweet you can you can add like cucumbers or you can make the sambal sweeter i think that's an okay that that's like a manageable way not to me putting my gordon ramsay hat moment there but um yeah i don't know i feel like you could do that to get the sweetness but a, a, a three-in-one milo packet powder it's um that's a choice <laughs> it's an affront yeah. but on the other hand like fried rice is meant to be sort of like potluck like fried rice isn't meant to be something sacred that you like yeah you just like, put it together it you just sacred. put it together yeah. i mean fried rice originally was just like the stuff you had left in your fridge mm-hmm. and then it These got imported and yeah and then yeah. it got like mm. crossed over to the west and people were like oh it's like an it's an asian dish it's it's what they make for the it has it holds special meaning and significance it's a sacred dish that you shouldn't screw up and there is an authentic way to make it but it's, it's just fried rice it's just like making right, things then. up as you go so if you have coffee beans left over you know it's why not put <laughs> yeah. it in your <laughs> maybe this is the future maybe i'm just like an old man Maybe they got he's from Singapore. Surely he knows you don't normally put coffee beans in fried rice. Or coffee maybe he's a revolutionary. Yeah, know? he's trying to yeah. change oh, how we see fried rice. I just had a thought. He was probably trying to maybe he's substituting like black beans for like literal coffee beans. Oh, um, that's, that's wrong. Okay, wait, that's a little. <laughs> and that's um, I don't not an explanation. <laughs> Both beans. It's not much of an explanation, but it, it is an explanation <laughs> where previously I had none. <laughs> well. Anyway, I'm sure our listeners can have more creative concoctions coming our way. Um, And perhaps if you're that TikToker uh, and somehow stumble across our opinions of your fried rice, can you please like let us know what your justification was? Um, (laughs) I think we're all quite interested as to why you thought this combination would be good. But yes, let us know at Asia Pop Nation's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages. Uh, Hit us up and maybe we'll try and make your interesting recipes on the show one day you are listening to asian palm nation right here on sin my name is leisha and you were just listening to billy's kingamingayo bracket the strange world we also had a brand new collaboration track from korean artist and producer sean featuring malaysian icon yuna with their song titled so right and finally we had japanese female artist adu with her song title Tabidachi. So it definitely feels like a couple weeks since we brought back a little staple segment here on Asian Palm Nation. You know, we just really wanted to have that perfect time where all our anime watchers in the APN team can just come together to talk about a couple of anime news, of course, but most importantly, in the case of tonight's show, we want debate. Like how we debated on last week's show about the Oscars, but instead tonight, it is all going to be about the Crunchyroll Anime Awards. So, haven't been able to say this for a while now, but let's cue the theme song for Anime Attack. Ah, anime attack! Oh, whoa, show, Minasan, konnichiwa, yokuso, welcome to the Anime Attack. Whoa! Uh... <laughs> Really sorry about that. But uh, anyway, we have a few little announcements, some really exciting things. First off, Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 
is coming for 2023. We're all excited for that. You know, Kung Fu fighting action with ghosts and spirits. And I've only watched like two episodes of it. But yeah, <laughs> it's good. That was a fantastic okay, summary. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Just, wow. And and the second the second <laughs> <Wow>. announcement <laughs> is Demon Slayer, in that a uh, Demon Slayer has recently finished its most recent arc, the Entertainment District arc. Apparently, what it was hype. Um, Aaron, can you clarify? Can you confirm? So was it actually girls? Hype? Oh, really? They did. That? Wait, what? Yeah, the cosplay is girls. Yeah. Whoa! So it was good. <laughs> it was I just. <laughs> I just know that there's this one guy who has like three wives. And yeah. So guys can have that in real life. Either way, it is cool to have three wives. We have <laughs> that wow. the intro. But those are the little, I mean, announcement things. I think we can now get into the actual meat of the stuff, Crunchyroll. So that happened. For people that don't know what Crunchyroll is, it's a popular anime streaming service. You can go on the website and watch anime because you know yay that's what they do they have returned with their sixth annual crunchyroll anime awards there are lots of categories for the anime being rated we got things ranging from best voice acting performance to various dubbing languages to best fight scene or best protagonist you know and uh the award winners were announced online on february the 9th of this year through the Crunchyroll website. They were said to be selected through a mix of judge votes and fan votes. So more accurately, it's like a 70-30 weighted split between judge votes and fan votes, basically. Now, the anime shows and movies that won the most awards were, uh, not surprisingly, all the big shonen anime. Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen, and Attack on Titan were the three big anime that won like a ton of awards you know best movie best animation whoa best anime of the year i think that was attack on titan for that one that was the typical stuff you know yeah of course they were gonna win on that note were there any categories that people wanted to talk about xenia i know you're very interested in the romance category yes i saw that horamiya won which I mean, I, I was happy with that. I think that was quite a strong contender for romance, best romance of the year, mainly because anime romances aren't that good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, you just... just I, I find the issue is is the limited time you have because normally they're adapted from a manga and often at the end, it's just like a read the manga kind of ending. But yeah, to be honest, I haven't seen any of the other contenders aside from fruits basket the final season i also didn't know that b stars is a romance it was nominated as one of the nominees mm-hmm. but i i do think carmia was very good in that sense it did complete this series even though it was quiet pick and choose it's a long series it only had what 12 or so episodes 13 episodes i'm not sure Aaron, you can correct me there mm. yeah but with fruits basket that was a good like drama series overall but romance in a sense was yeah it was a an essential part but not like the central focus and i think jp aaron not sure what your opinions are and whether you think fruits basket should have won no no fruits basket is more like uh, everyone's sad and needs a therapist sort of story you know that's drama basically so I, i'd say um like horror mia is a lot more weighted in its romance, I'd say it's more focused on that. Mm. So I think it's deserving of this prize. So, you know, good work, Horamiya. Uh, 
I have one thing to say, and this will be the only thing I'll be saying this entire anime thing. One comment from our missing host, Celeste. <laughs> the mm-hmm. only thing she wanted me to mention since she couldn't attend the recording today was just that Horimiya, best romance all the way, full stop. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that's her statement. And I also only watched Horimiya. in the it? Time. I thought you and oh. Celeste never finished it. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> lied. And anyways, it's best romance. And we didn't need to finish it to know it was the best romance. Anyway, oh. y'all, y'all guys. I remember keep- Celeste saying that she dropped it after they got together because that's all you, she needed to know. And I said same as well. <laughs> Anyways, y'all can find out about all the other anime categories. Bye. <laughs> I'm going to okay. say, Harmiv wasn't even that good, to be frankly honest. Really? Yeah, I don't care. I know I'm going to cause a storm that's going to be behind me. I know there's going to be pish flocks, especially coming from my house. I can see one already, sadly. Yeah, but it's that's coming, all right. But I don't care. It wasn't even that good. Yeah, sure, that has some elements that were good, but they butchered the whole thing really? adaptation-wise. Adaptation-wise. But, like, let's say you're a newcomer, right? Like, you've never read the manga. You just, you know, you're scrolling through Crunchyroll.com and, uh, you know, ah, oh, Horimiya, does it work by itself? Like, do you think it's good by itself? Yes, like, if you didn't read the manga, yes, it's okay. That's it. Okay. But if we talk about, like, adaptation-wise, they kind of, like, probably, like, nearly 100 chapters for this. Ah, I see. Fruits Basket should have won the award. You think they should have won also best drama? Yes, two year turning it had a brilliant first episode. I think that's probably mm-hmm. the best pilot episode for any anime so far. But but would you count that as drama? Yes, I would. Yeah, I will count that as well. Yes, I will glad if we mm-hmm. got nominated and needed something at least because that was a good show minus the last arc. But uh, it should mm-hmm. be at least around from one best fantasy. That's it. Instead of slime, that's it. Aaron, are there any categories you find interest in here? Yeah, best film. And I want to, there's like a lot, but I'm going to talk about film though. Demon Slayer, Mugen Train. There's a lot on this list that shouldn't be even on that list though. I mean, Mugen Train. Really? Yeah, Mugen Train, that got released in 2020, but it got released in 2021. But mm-hmm. again, I can understand what that is, but at the same time, I don't. But the thing is, with Bell, on the other hand though, that got released in Japan like in 2021. But for us, but all of us, it was 2022. Yeah. That should be on this list. It shouldn't. There should be like another movie, say like, um hathaway or stuff like that movies yes um looking at the nominees for the movies i don't think bell deserves anything that needs to be (laughs) (laughs) oh wow that was wow to be honest i would have preferred if violet evergarden was there in place of bell i rather have like hathaway on this list for once I think my issue with a lot of these nominees here is that they're all connected to series like they don't work standalone you know what i mean Mm. yeah what you mean by that Oh, except yeah. for Bell. Except for Bell. And Jose yeah, right. and words bubble up like a so Yeah. I mean for yeah. Evangelion, that can be accepted because that's been a developed for nearly like ten years or so for the final move anyway. No, but still Evangelion's like I think that deserves another category of its own of just being like Best Hiatus movie. Best hiatus movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Do you think they should do like um you know how the Oscars they award screenplay like there's one which is best original screenplay and one which is best adapted screenplay do you Ooh, think like the crunchy ray anime awards should do something like that where it's like they separate the films into one which is like it's just original like it's not 
it's not based on like a series yeah. and then they should do like a separate one for like anime so i know i swear this is my last time yeah no 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 Lisha, i agree with you i'd love to see a category like that because you know the flavor between those two types of categories are very different i think on my end aaron the categories i'm interested in are best protagonist and best boy oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I know what he's talking about. All right, let's look at best protagonist. Our winner is Otokawa from Odd Taxi. But yes, I think I agree with this nomination and his win. He's probably like the most interesting protagonist in yeah. the past few years in anime just ever. Why? Like, because he's a walrus. Yeah, one, he's a walrus. <laughs> Two, he's so grumpy. Like, look at his face. Like, he hates everything. And, you know, that's brilliant to see. And three, he's extremely mysterious. So mysterious, even he doesn't know his own mystery. Why he's so, you know, important as a protagonist. I'm not going to spoil it, but neither am I. Yeah, but like the twist is the greatest thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. So people that haven't is watched he, Odd is Taxi, is he a good protagonist because of like his character arc or everything? What, what everything? Of- all of that. Oh. But antagonists are on the other hand, though. <laughs> Best antagonist, uh, let's see. Ooh, Eren Yeager. <laughs> Attack on Titan. Yes. Best protag and antag. We Final season, part one. <laughs> Extremely murderous. I wouldn't exactly call him an antagonist, but again, this is like from Miley's point of view, but at the same time, our point of view, we don't know exactly what Eren's intention is and all that stuff. So I guess this could be accepted. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Best antagonist. Aaron, I'd like you to scroll down to best boy as well. Oh, I, I think this one's quite endearing. Our best oh, yeah. boy is Budgie from Ranking of Kings. Tracy, have you seen this boy before? He's the cutest boy in the world. <laughs> he is very cool. I agree. He, he does indeed look like a good boy. He's a very good boy. He's very cute. And he's also a prince. He's supposed <laughs> to inherit a kingdom. But the most interesting thing about him is that he's mute. And deaf. And deaf. So, like, extremely endearing. Like, I don't think we've ever seen a character like that. Whenever I look at him, I always I always think, man, I want to take care of this kid and, you know, make him grow up and to be, you know, a good man, a good king. But then, like, the whole point of the show is that everyone hates him. So, like, it's really sad. Like, <laughs> Especially with episode two, anyway. Right. Yeah, Wait, it's, it's... why don't they like him? Was uh, that a spoiler? He... Well, technically, oh, no, it's, no, not really it's not a spoiler. spoiler. It's not a spoiler. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's more like Leisha. Imagine that this boy is going to be your next ruler. You know, he, he, and the problem is he's deaf and mute. Yeah, deaf and mute. He's not God, particularly God. strong physically, so not much of a warrior either. Not much of a diplomat too, because you know he can't talk. Yeah. Right. So people are like, "Oh man, what is this kid doing?" You know. So very tense, very sad. Um, mm. It's actually two. really cute. Leisha, watch it, please. It's so good. <laughs> It's Get so ready good. for episode two, though. Leisha, I swear to you, the best anime that have come out in the past few years don't even look like anime. They just, like, they're Studio weird Ghibli. cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, <Studio> Ghibli, <laughs> weird. Sure, sure, yeah. I'll think about it. I'm just surprised that Izumi was even nominated for Best Boy What? <laughs> oh, really? No, he's really? a good boy. He's, he's a good boy. He's chill. Look at him. Oh, he's got, you know, long scruffy hair and oh, he's like He looks oh. uh, he, he looks so good with the piercing. He looks so bad after he got rid of it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear a lot of complaints about that. <laughs> but anyway, listen, we could go on forever with these awards. It's always fun to uh, so- talk about anime, honestly. 
if you love anime the same way we do and want to voice your saucy, hot, spicy opinions on uh, the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Arigato gozaimasu for listening. Yeah, have a good day. Uh, Oyasumina Sai. Hey everyone, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation, your weekly and nightly dose of Asian content here on Sin. My name is Lisha, and you just heard Toro Y Moi with his song titled The Loop. We also had Thai duo band HYBS with their song Go Higher. And finally, we had Yukaki and Kim Min Jung with their retro theme song titled Moonset, which of course, it's the perfect song title to remind us of the night and specifically about the show we had tonight. It would be impossible not to first mention the amazing first interview we had for this 2022 season of APN with the indie author Kanako Okiron, learning a lot about her thought process in creating her debut novel, not like in the movies. We also had some crazy discussions jumping from Teen Wolf to the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics to magically ending it with a full Crunchyroll Anime Awards debate, but I guess that's kind of the crazy yet enduring nature of tuning in to Asian Pop Nation. Thank you so much for joining myself, Leisha, and our team of Senya, Tracy, Aaron, and JP tonight. And right before we say goodbye, we have one more song ready for you by Australian-Filipino artist Sin Santos with his brand new track titled Vibe With Me. You can always tune in to Asian Pop Nation every Tuesday from 8pm onwards right here on Sin. Good night, everyone, and hello to the March season.